Welcome to The Gradebook, a Tampa Bay Times podcast on Florida education issues. I'm reporter Jeff Solacek. In this week before the Florida legislature heads back to session, we have been taking a closer look at one of the key issues that it intends to face with regard to education, that is vouchers. Governor Ron DeSantis has made clear his desire to eliminate the waiting list for low-income children who want to attend private schools using a scholarship. Those have tended to be paid for by tax credit scholarships, money donated to a funding organization in exchange for tax credits. But now the governor wants to use actual tax money to pay for those scholarships to send those kids to school where they want to go. Eliminate that 14,000 student waiting list. Senate education leaders have made clear their support for a version of what he wants to do. This is something that Governor Jeb Bush tried to do, create a voucher program for Florida back in 1999. He called it the Opportunity Scholarship Program. Governor DeSantis is calling it the Equal Opportunity Scholarship Program. Governor Bush got stood up by the state Supreme Court in 2006. That court is no longer an issue anymore. So what better thing to do while looking at this issue than talk to Governor Bush? He is our guest today. We interviewed him for a story we're working on for our Sunday section. Um, This was not intended to be a podcast, but the interview was interesting enough that we thought we'd share it here today. Let's just take a listen. So um, I don't know how much time you have, but I really uh, really appreciate you taking the time to call me because we're looking at sort of like the trajectory from your governorship to the current governorship with educational choice and vouchers and 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 I wanted to hear from your perspective like when you started down this road what did you exactly expect and when did you expect it to happen <laughs> because it seems like it's taken 20 years to get to this point yeah so uh, the beginning with the a plus plan um, and every year every year during my tenure as governor the focus was on broad-based reform, not just, I know, and everybody loves to talk about the parental choice aspects of this, which is wonderful. I'm, all, I'm proud of the fact that Florida offers more choices, both public and private, than any state in the country, but choice is a catalyst for rising student achievement, and there are a lot of other elements to it. And so every year during my tenure as governor and, and also through the foundation, we've encouraged the next generation of leaders to to really focus on bigger and bolder reforms, and um, so the mantra that people's you know people people's eyes glaze over when I say it because I say it so much so many times is reform you know is never final, um, and you got to keep you got to keep pushing. You just can't you can't stop. So the next there's kind of a perpetual um, there's a if you you know if you think about it one reform creates the possibility for uh, the next one. And that's what we've seen in Florida. And as a result, we've had significant gains in learning as measured by um, the nation's report card and other means. So I'm excited about uh, 
Governor DeSantis's uh, passion for education reform across the board. What did you think about him saying that if it's public dollars, it's public education? Because that is sort of like the crux of a big debate, that, that public education has always been defined sort of as public schools. Yeah, I, I, I agree with him. Um, it's always been my deeply held belief that, that educating students is really the public mission. And in this diverse world we live in, giving parents options uh, creates a really diverse and, and dynamic kind of offering for parents. Every child's different. Uh, the needs of every parent is different. And so uh, I think philosophically he's right on target that this, this should be viewed from a student-centered perspective rather than a systemic. You know, the system itself is not what um, is, is, is important. It's how are, how are children learning. So is that what you were looking for at the beginning? Because you created a pretty bold program that then just got knocked around by the court. Um, what, what was your initial target? Well, again, the, the, if you think about it, when, when, we were, um, when I was governor, we created the first statewide voucher program, for sure, Opportunity Scholarships, but we also graded schools. We raised cut scores. We eliminated social promotion in third grade. We created the most ambitious early childhood literacy effort by putting reading coaches in every elementary school and all Title I middle schools. Um, we gave certificates for teachers for, uh, for uh, their capabilities on reading. Um, it, it was a series of things each year building on um, the, the previous year's work that uh, yielded the success. The largest bonus program in the country is the school recognition dollars. I don't know what it is now, but I guess it's probably 160 or $170 million that goes to schools that show improvement uh, or are graded A, and 90% of that goes to teachers. So it's, it's the comprehensive approach, and I think Governor DeSantis has the, a very similar kind of view about it, and I'm excited about that. I love the fact that he's an activist. I love the fact that he fills the space. I love the fact that he picked Richard Corcoran as his commissioner of education. And I love the fact that you have bold leadership in the legislature as well. Um, not many states could you know, have that combination of leadership that's going to yield some exciting results for our state, I believe. It seems like every year the whole school choice program gained a little bit at a time, I, especially after the lawsuit, the Holmes lawsuit, where things got pushed backwards and were yeah. told that they were unconstitutional. That Did it have to be sort of like a slow roll so that way people would come to accept it? So now it's more widely known. I mean, hey, school choice, it's just what we have. It's what we want. Yeah, I mean, I think when you create a constituency, so in 1996, I think it was, um, four charter schools were created, one of which was the uh, Liberty City Charter School that Tal Fair, the, the head of the Urban League in of Greater Miami and, and um, our foundation set up. R.B. Holmes set up one, uh, Seaside set up one, and there was one other. Uh, it was a, it was a, you know, I think in the views, you know, in the minds of people inside the education system, they probably thought, well, that's nice, nice little four, four schools, but now several hundred thousand kids go to charter schools and there's a constituency for it. Uh, and, and so these things, you do build on the success of the past for sure. 
And similarly, the Corporate Tax Scholarship Program, the largest in the country, now has a constituency. And one of the things that, Jeff, that exists in Florida that is you don't find in schools and systems that aren't very accountable or states that aren't accountable is that we have real data. And um, now you got 20 years of data, right? So you can, you can, the Urban Institute has done some compelling work to show that uh, kids that, uh, like kind kids, between kids going to the public schools and kids going to the corporate tax, you know, the private schools through the corporate tax scholarship program have significantly different outcomes, um, much more positive for, in terms of college attainment and college graduation for the hundred plus thousand kids that go to, have gone, or today at least going to the corporate tax scholarship private school. So I think your point is that um, over time, people's mindset changes because the world didn't come to an end. It actually got better by having parental choice. I mean, the debate in 1999 <laughs> was very different than it was is today. It sure um, was. I mean, very different. Now the argument is, you know, there's some some of the sterile opposition. They, you could rewind the tape and you can hear people. Like I saw, I saw a tweet that Gwen Graham sent out. She could have done that when, she, you know, she probably was a teenager back then. But in 1999, she could have could have been the exact same thing. There are people whose arguments haven't changed, uh, but by and large, people themselves, the voters, parents, um, they see things differently now mm -hmm. because these are well-established programs that that have led to better outcomes. And Jeff, I don't know if they've already shared it with you, but the foundation just did a poll a few weeks ago, and they're about to release it in. A few yeah, they already gave it to you. I just got it. I just got it in the email a couple minutes ago. Yeah, and it's impressive data. Um, for expanding. Eighty percent support choice in the state. Private choice. Yeah, this is this is the idea of ESAs being expanded to working families, which is uh, something that I believe. The next iteration of reform should certainly um, it should be part of that for sure. Was that something you always wanted? Yeah. Did you think it would take twenty? I think a priority, um, you know, a priority. It should always be a focus on lower income students because their parents um, have fewer choices. But as the world changes, working families don't have many choices either. If you're making eighty thousand dollars a year, you're Let's just, let's say you're a teacher and your spouse is a healthcare technician. You you might be making seventy five, eighty thousand uh, dollars, and you got two kids. You, you're not sending those kids. You don't have your options are limited as well. And so I think it may not have been appropriate in 1999. It's definitely appropriate now to consider expanding those programs. I talked to somebody from the FEA who said that. They thought that you were always in it for the long run, that you and your foundation were always in it for the long run, that, that you knew that you could make this happen by working hard and taking baby steps all the way across. Do you think that's a pretty fair assessment, or are they just being cynical? No, I don't, no. the foundation has been around um, for this purpose, to advocate not just here but across the country, state by state, to advocate meaningful reform with the purpose, the sole purpose of achieving rising student achievement. This is the civil rights issue of our time. This is the economic justice issue of our time. This is the economic development issue of our time. 
um, and even more so today than than 20 years ago. I mean, I, my personal belief is, and, and you know, look, it's an, it's an opinion. We'll, we won't know for 20 years, but a child born in poverty today may not ever have the chance to um, have a job. There's, you know, I need to tell a journalist how the world is changing. <laughs> Just like the, the world is changing dramatically. Um, you have artificial intelligence now um, that I just read an article about Citibank where they have tens of thousands of people that are in data centers and call centers around the around the uh, country, and much of what uh, that work much of that work now will be totally automated uh, and deliver an improved product at a dramatically lower cost with enhanced productivity. So. Why would we want to defend the status quo when so few people are capable of the jobs of the future? Um, another reason why I support Governor DeSantis is that he's not simply talking about things that are, may have been relevant 20 years ago. He's talking about creating, creating career pathways, uh, focusing on giving people a chance to, in high school to, to uh, garner college credits and to get nationally recognized certificates. These, this is the work of our foundation and we work in 40 states to advocate these things. Um, 20 years ago, that debate wasn't as relevant as it is today. How do you th how important do you think the court changes are? I mean, is that like the last remaining obstacle that you needed to find a way past? Well, we'll see. I mean, I'm excited about the caliber of the uh, judicial picks. A little envious that I didn't get to. Um, first of all, two picks I made. Stellar jurist um, had you know, had family issues and, and uh, they resigned because of that. Um, now, now Supreme Court justices actually can, can, can stay in their homes, which is, uh, is great. And so you've got these young, talented, uh, constitutionally driven jurists. Uh, that'll have a broad impact, not just on education policy, but uh, business issues as, as well as many other things. So I'm excited. Uh, I, those were stellar picks in my mind. But it seems like they were all wait, always quoting Bush v. Holmes, Bush v. Holmes, and now it's like they always almost want to say, like, come on, bring it on, Bush v. Holmes, let's talk about it again. We'll see. I mean, I I um, don't know if uh, anybody's going to – I don't you know I don't know what the outcome of this legislative session is going to be. I hope I hope the legislature is, is big and bold and offers uh, – sends to the governor um, meaningful legislation that provides more choices for parents and maintains a really strong accountability system and focuses on career pathways uh, the way the governor is proposing it. And um, if they do that, I would hope that those policies uh, wouldn't be challenged in the courts. But if they are, I'm happy that at the end of the day, the Supreme Court is comprised of people that um, recognize the that there's a role for the judiciary, but judicial activism, uh, legislating from the bench, is not it's not appropriate. I think a majority of the court now sees their role differently than the previous majority. So, is there some other message? Is there some other question? I I, I know I I've been thinking about this for a while, but I don't know all the questions. Is there some point that I might be missing by not asking the right question? No, I mean I ultimately it, the. the it seems that, you know the one if if someone asked me the question what 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 system of education would you 
would you like to see? You know, what's the ultimate goal here? And the ultimate goal is rising student achievement. But to get to it, I think we need to customize the learning experience where time is the variable and learning's the constant. We turn the whole system on its head in that regard and that there's a whole array of options for parents to choose from in terms of coursework. Uh, we should have many, many, many more students garnering a freshman year of college when they graduate from high school. There was a study that just came out that suggested a quarter of all um, end-of-the-year juniors are capable of taking on college, college work right now. Well, if that's the case, why don't we organize ourselves around these kids so that they can become, they can get a freshman year for free? But no, 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 my gosh, that would, that would, that would uh, offend the sensibilities of people protecting these silos. That debate still goes on, you know, is, is this should be, is this, do we have a child student-centered system or do we have these, these, uh, you know, a university system and a community college system and a high school system that can't communicate with one another um, and where kids are not, not pushed to their greatest God-given abilities, they're held back and where kids that are struggling don't receive the kind of remediation so that they can move forward. That's the, to me, that's the great challenge of our time and, and policies that tear down those silos and empower parents uh, and enable students to be able to reach their God-given abilities is what this is about. I guess one more thing, and, and that's just the funding mechanism of it all, because if you have systems that sort of rely on being able to plan and then you suddenly say parents can choose whatever they want, how can you make that happen in a way that you don't have like a giant vacant building waiting for students to come and another one that's a small teeny one that everybody wants to go to that they can't get in well i mean what i just described to you could be done in a traditional high school you could have kids in in a traditional high school garnering college credit next next to kids of the same age that uh up till then were struggling they, they might be in 10th grade but they were sixth grade level readers and there's a focus on making sure that they become grade level readers or close to it so that they they can graduate from high school. You customize the experience, it doesn't mean you're gonna have an empty building. Okay. Do we need more money? I mean, the world is full of, no, no. In fact, I think um, there's a lot of things we ask schools to do that may not be appropriate for them to do. There's a whole lot of personnel outside of the school, outside of the classroom and outside of the schools that are funded through the funding formula. Um, an intellectually honest, accurate assessment of how much money goes to the classrooms where students are learning and how much doesn't uh, would lead to lead me to uh, suggest that maybe more should go to the classroom. You should do a public records request and get Richard Corcoran to give you the what, what's the accurate spending of the you know at the FEFP formula and all the other monies that come to the local school districts. How much is actually in the classroom? be interesting to know. You just gave me my, my next request. Thanks. <laughs> when you get it, let me know, because when I was governor, I couldn't get it. That's the end of our interview and the end of our podcast. If you'd like to participate in this conversation, and I know many of you have strong views on this subject, please chime in on our Facebook page, Tampa Bay Times Gradebook. To follow the latest in Florida education breaking news, 
go to our blog, tampabay.com slash gradebook. If you want to subscribe to this podcast and have it come to you directly whenever a new one comes out, which is usually on Thursdays, you can subscribe on iTunes and Google. It's on a website called Art19. Please do so. Please share it with your friends. And we really appreciate all of your support. I'm reporter Jeff Solacek. Thanks for listening. 